0: It's another Locked On crossover. We have two top 25 teams facing off in Austin this weekend, the Texas Longhorns and the Kansas Jayhawks. I am Jonathan Davis, host of Locked On Longhorns, and he is Derek Johnson, host of Locked On Jayhawks, ready to preview what could be an offensive explosion this weekend in DKR. And Derek, we know really for the last decade this game has been used, you know, Trolls on Twitter, right? Because two of you know the biggest wins in Kansas program history have come against the Longhorns, right? In some dark moments for this program under Charlie Strong in the first year for Steve Sarkeesian, you know, going five and seven. But now, for the first time in maybe ever, we're actually talking about this game for real football reasons because Texas has a really good football team and Kansas has a really good football team. And I think going into this game, we have a very interesting quarterback matchup, right? Quinn Ewers and Jalen Daniels. Jalen Daniels picked to be the preseason Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year. Now, he missed the first game, but since then he's been falling, what is it, 779 total yards and five touchdowns. So, Derek, I want to ask you, this Kansas team is undefeated. Jalen Daniels one of the biggest reasons why. What does he mean to this football team and to this program?
1: Oh, he's everything, and and you see it. Jason Bean, who's the backup quarterback, is one of the best backup quarterbacks in the Big Twelve, and he filled in admirably when he was hurt last year. But you just see the differences of having a guy versus having the guy, and that's what you get with Jalen Daniels. He's an electric runner. His offense coordinator, Andy Kolanicki, has said that he has the vision of a running back. He runs tough like a running back. He's got a live wire arm. He's not the tallest guy in the world, but you'll see some deep ball throws and some, you know, rifled in throws when he has to fit it into a window. He's mobile. He's calm. He's cool. He's collected. He uh, he's the guy everybody wants to be around. He, he's a great leader. He's he's super. Um, I don't know. He embraces everyone, but he's got like a very lively personality about it whenever you talk uh, to him. And, you know, it was it was interesting because you go back to 2021. He made his first start that year. Um, in his second year of college against Texas, and, and that was the game in Austin that they won, and that was kind of the start of this for him, and and he actually was number one that year in 2021 in total QBR in the Big 12 if he would have qualified. Obviously, it was too small of a sample with three games, and it was kind of like, okay, what what do you got here? Then you go into 2022, and he's like popping up as like Uh, an early Heisman watch, who knows how real that would have been through the first five weeks of the season, but early in the year he was when they were five and Oh, and then he obviously gets injured, but he was number one in the big 12 in total QBR again. And now you go to this year right now, he's number three, Dylan Gabriel's one, which they haven't really played anyone. So, so we'll see where that goes. Queen Ewers is number two and Jalen Daniels is number three. So yeah, I think this is going to be an outstanding quarterback matchup and, and that's why there should be a lot of points.
0: Yeah, I definitely think it's going to be uh, high flying on Saturday. You know, I expect both teams to go over 30 points, but we'll pick the game uh, a little bit later, right? And so uh, Jalen Daniels definitely means a lot to this team, sticking with the offense, because this is a team right now that's averaging 37.8 points per game. Devin Neal at running back, maybe one of the more underrated players in the country when you're talking about Offensive superstars, 539 total yards thus far and six touchdowns. Just talk about Devin Neal, the player, and how do you expect him to be utilized on Saturday against a ferocious Texas defense?
1: Well, in the, in the Nevada game in week three, he was dealing with some sort of injury that they didn't disclose what it was, but it, it kind of kept him free from a few practices. Practices. So like there have been certain times throughout his career where he's been nicked up and, and they've had to kind of limit his carries. Uh, Daniel Highshaw, you'll get you'll see get a ton of carries as well. And there have been games where both of them will get like 12 to 14 carries and be in the same range. So I, I do think because this is a road game against top 25 opponent governors off in, in that standpoint where like maybe you could see him get 20 carries. He had a game last year against Oklahoma State where he had 30 something touches between catches and, and receptions and he had almost 300 total yards. Um, not saying that he's going to have that production, but I could see this being more of a workhorse game for him. Uh, certainly, you would think Kansas wants to control with the ball. As, as good of an offense as they are, they're not a fast-paced offense. They'll get 55 to 60 plays in a game. They'll control the clock if they need to, and I think going against a tough Texas offense, that's going to rely on the running backs with Devin Neal. So uh, they've used him a lot more in the passing game this year, but for the most part, he's just got great vision. Unbelievable one-cut run. He's got good speed in the open field. He's got a good stiff arm. Um, I think he's going to be playing in the NFL's, uh, NFL as soon as next year. I, I'm really high on what he he is and, and how he is as a runner. Uh, obviously, last year they weren't really able to get anything going against Texas in in the game that was in Lawrence. But, yeah, man, uh, Devin Neal, if they can get him going, if they can get him to that second level, he can make guys miss. The question for me becomes what the KU offensive line does because – you know, when you look at the KU offensive line, they've been great this year. Pro Football Focus has them ranked as number six in the country in pass blocking grade, number three in the country in run blocking grade. But what do we know about the Texas defense so far? The defensive line has been, I mean, I was, I was so impressed with the Texas defensive line against Alabama. How, how much, w- when you think about that, because I, I do think that's going to be a key, Can't, just running the ball. When you go back to the Alabama game, obviously the Alabama offense hasn't lit up the scoreboard since then. Like, how much do you take away from that Alabama game of of what the defensive line looked like and, and how dominant of a unit you think that can be versus being like, well, maybe we have some questions against Alabama?
0: Yeah, no. So when I look at the defensive line, I go back to last year, right, where you look at that defense that held, you know, Alabama, who averaged over. Uh, I think maybe close to 40 points a game, held them to 20. And then you look at that defense in that game against TCU, who was number four in the country at the time, uh, and held them to 17 points. So they've shown the ability uh, last year in the biggest games to rise to the occasion. And I think this year, in all four games, they've been the best unit on the field. And when you look at that Alabama game, for three years, Steve Sarkeesian has trying to, you know, been trying to prepare this team to be able to play at the highest level and be able to win at a you know high level in the SEC especially in the trenches and I think the Alabama game really both years but this year especially because you came out with the victory you know validated that you are ready to play at the highest level and win in the trenches and week in and week out you know this defensive line is showing that they can dominate at a high level and what I love so much is you have star power you know starting on that defensive line that you know do such a good job of getting to the quarterback and stopping the run But then when you bring in, you know, that second rotation, that second wave of guys, when you bring in true freshmen on that defensive line or then the defense period, there's really no drop off. And this defense has just been amazing for, you know, Texas this year. So I take a lot from it. Right. But I take a lot from their game against Wyoming. That's a good football team. I take a lot from their game against Rice. That's a good football team. And then this last week, the way that they shut down, uh, Baylor and held them without a touchdown and you know trust me they were trying to score until the final whistle so um, you know this Texas defense is you know uh, hellacious I will say but I still think you know we're going to see somewhat of an offensive showdown uh, this weekend in Austin I think this Kansas offense is just a little too much to stop uh, but you know we'll see how it goes right you know we could talk all day you know and preview it but uh, they got to play on the field on Saturday but I want to know what do you and the you know Kansas Jayhawk fans want to know about this Texas offense going into the game on Saturday?
1: Well, I, I guess the big question for me is is with Quinn Ewers, you know, last year, kind of an up and down year. I know there was so much made about like the footwork, right? Um, so far this year, he's he's been awesome. I think, what, 12 total touchdowns, no interceptions so far this year. How, how much, though, are you buying into Quinn Ewers being a dude versus he's a game manager that just has elite talent at, at seemingly every position around him?
0: Yeah. So you talked about the inconsistency last year. Right. You know, uh, only completing 58 percent of his passes. And, you know, you saw the big games against Alabama and Oklahoma and you love that against the biggest competition. But then there was a six game stretch where he looked really human. You know, at times it looked like he had never played football before. And then, you know, he came back and had a pretty good performance against Wyoming, albeit in a loss. And I think this year it's been inconsistent. Right. You know, I think he was decent. Uh, against Rice, I think he was really, really good against Bama. I think he was not good at all, you know, against Wyoming, and then he came back and had a really strong performance against uh, Baylor. So, you know, you're looking for that consistency at this point from Quinn Ewers. I think we've seen some really high highs at his time at Texas, and I think we've seen some pretty questionable lows you know, during his time at Texas, but it seems like he's starting to figure it out. You know, I think that Baylor game was a huge step for his confidence, uh, you know, especially in an environment like that on the road, you know, even though the Baylor football team didn't show up. So, uh, you know, we'll see what he does on Saturday uh, against Kansas. But, you know, I think, you know, this will be uh, the first time in a while that we see him stack two really good performances uh, together in a row. And I think that he's going to have a big game uh, on Saturday, especially going into this game. Uh, with another alpha on the sideline and Jalen Daniels, you know, across from him. So, uh, you know, I think the Quinn Ewers experience thus far has been a little inconsistent. Like I said, we've seen him play at the highest level in the biggest moments. But then we've also seen some games where it felt like he played down to the competition or just didn't take, you know, the level of competition too seriously. Maybe that's what happened in that Wyoming game. But, you know, I think we'll see the best version of Quinn Ewers this weekend against Kansas.
1: Yeah, and I I was looking at some of the the you know offensive line the pressure numbers, and and I think I saw Quinn Ewers like a sixty five passer rating so far this year. Limited sample when he's under pressure, but the problem is you can't really get him under pressure if the offensive line is is blocking their tail off, which they have so far. Kansas had fifteen pressures as a defense last week against BYU. Texas has given up less than that all season long. So why has this offense a Because it felt like for the longest time Texas was unable to produce offensive line. Uh, players into the NFL as much as you you think they should, right? I mean, there were a few guys here or there. What has been different about this offensive line? Why have they been so good?
0: Yeah, well, I think it starts with bringing in Kyle Flood, you know, and and coming in with a different mentality that we want to win games in the trenches. Right. When Steve Sarkeesian came in, you know, he talked about having more receivers, you know, than scholarship offensive linemen. That's how the team was built. That's probably why the team has struggled. So they really invested in that unit. Then you talk about bringing in talent, right? Kelvin Banks, a freshman All-American. He will probably be, you know, a top 10 pick in that 2025 NFL draft. You're bringing in blue chip. Uh, offensive linemen year in and year out. And then you look at the development, right? Guys like Jake Majors, Hayden Connor, and Kristen Jones, who are left over from the Tom Herman era, uh really have shown development and have played at a high level at the University of Texas. And then you talk about the continuity on the offensive line, which means a great deal for their performance on the field, right? The same five offensive linemen that started last year are back this year and four or five of them are starting. Five of them have played, right? That started last year have played a significant role for this Texas football team. So I think you look at bringing in Kyle Flood and really putting, uh, you know, an emphasis on that position. You start to bring in more talented players at that position. Um, and then you have continuity, you know, bringing those players back year after year, having them develop and then putting an the emphasis on winning games like that in the trenches with that offensive line. I think that's been why they've been so good, right? So we talked about, you know, this offensive line and holding up against this Kansas defense. A lot of people say that the Kansas defense may be, the weakness of this undefeated football team. So a quick word from our sponsors, and then we're going to talk about, you know, what this Kansas defense needs to do to slow down this Texas offense on Saturday. This locked on crossover is brought to you by FanDuel. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book right now. New customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about Joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, the official partner of the National Football League. Really quick, Derek, I got to ask you because you're in Kansas. Are you a Kansas City Chiefs fan? And what are your thoughts on Travis Kelsey? And Taylor Swift, please just give it to us really quickly because we, we just have to know it's the hottest topic in the world right now for whatever reason, so I'm asking you.
1: Yeah, I am a, I am a Kansas City Chiefs fan, and uh, yeah, it's it's been uh, just a whirlwind out here. We actually, actually, there was a rumor going on this week. I, I don't know the truth to it. I was told by multiple people that I do trust, but I, I don't know. We'll see. that uh, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey were actually in Lawrence earlier this week having lunch at a local brewery. And then they were escorted out through some tunnel areas and and stayed at a local hotel. Again, it was just a rumor. I I don't know if it's true or not. Funny enough, Taylor Swift actually loves the city of Lawrence. Her best friend, when she was back around that age, went to KU and she would come out to KU a few times. There are videos of her being like, uh, my perfect day would be spending a day with my best friend in Lawrence, Kansas, and stuff. So uh, you can actually look that stuff up. It's, It's kind of funny. So I don't know, maybe that's good omens for KU this weekend. But yeah, very, very funny and uh, interesting. And certainly Sunday night football this weekend is going to have high ratings for, for reasons you wouldn't expect.
0: Yeah, we got breaking news for the Swifties, you know, on, on the podcast. <laughs> you know, they may or may not have been in Lawrence. And then, you know, you already, you know, spoke on the other breaking news that she will be at the, you know, Chiefs-Jets game on Sunday. I have the Chiefs defense in fantasy. They did well against the Bears. <laughs> Hopefully they show up and show out for Taylor Swift against the Jets on Sunday. We're back to talking about Texas, Kansas, and we've talked about two very explosive offenses, and we know that Jalen Daniels and Devin Neal are going to do everything they can to try to carry this Kansas team to victory on Saturday. But many people are saying that, you know, Kansas is undefeated right now, but this defense may be the unit that holds them back, right? If you can beat this Kansas team, it's because you can outscore them and make plays on this defense. What do you think they need to do on Saturday? What needs to be the game plan to go into DKR and get the upset this weekend.
1: Have to be able to stop the run on early downs, Um, get them into passing situations where your defensive ends can pin their ear backs. The defensive ends have, have been really good. They rotate about six guys on that, that defensive end group. And a lot of them have a lot of talent. Austin Booker, former Minnesota transfer uh, he's like 66 245 unbelievable get off the ball Jeremy Robinson's a real good player as well and they'll rotate some other players that that have some flash and talent too then get into those situations maybe you can get some pressure on Quinn Ewers maybe you can dial up some blitzes and that was the thing last year Texas ran for over 400 yards uh, against Kansas a year ago it was it was i i asked uh, at a press conference the defensive coordinator this week for Kansas he gave up over 400 yards. Is that going to serve as motivation? And he started to cut me off and he goes, 427. Yeah, we know. So it very much is going to be used as motivation. Now, it's one thing to be motivated, it's another thing to be able to perform and execute and going up against a very talented team, right? But Jonathan Brooks, who was the third string running back last year, even behind Bijan and Roshan Johnson, and he still had over 100 yards against Kansas a year ago, even as the third string. So you have to be able to stop the run. And so far, under the Lance Leipold era in Kansas, so uh, going back to the beginning of 2021, Kansas is 10-0 and 0 when their opposition runs for 4.5 yards per carry or less. They are 2-17 and 17 when they run for more. One of those wins was actually 2021 in Austin, funny enough. But that's the key for Kansas. You have to be able to slow down the running game because you already have enough with the, the Texas passing game and all the weapons they have and trying to stop Jatavion Sanders and Xavier Worthy and Quinn Ewers and the offensive line. It's going to be hard, hard enough. If you're giving up running game too, it's going to be too much.
0: Yeah, we'll see. Uh, You know, it's definitely going to be tough for the Kansas defense. And, you know, we'll see if they can rise to the occasion. But there are some big time playmakers on the defense. They may not be uh, the best unit as a whole, but they're certainly opportunistic. So talk about uh, some players that could be some X factors for this Kansas defense this weekend.
1: Yeah, so I mentioned Austin Booker, a really good pass rusher. Jeremy Robinson at the other end. If you're looking to stop the run, Devin Phillips is a wide-bodied defensive tackle. I mean, the dude fills up a door frame. They brought him in from Colorado State. He's a sixth-year senior. Uh, He's done a really good job plugging up the run. Uh, The linebacker spot's kind of interesting. Rich Miller's the the captain of the defense, and he's the older player. The guy who will make flash plays, though, is is J.B. Brown. Miller's more of a dependable guy. Brown's a transfer they brought over from Bowling Green and you know he he had a really high pro football focus grade at Bowling Green but limited snaps in the MAC He's come over and he's one of the team's best athletes, runs like a deer. Uh, He's one of the strongest guys in the program. They've lined him up some, even at defensive end on pass rushing situations. He will come up and hit you. He's one of the hardest hitters on the team. So uh, certainly someone to watch, Cornell Wheeler. We saw him get a bunch of snaps last week with uh, another linebacker injured. He's a former Michigan transfer at the linebacker spot. And then the secondary is, is loaded with experience. They brought back their top three corners and their top three safeties from a year ago. Um, Kobe Bryant was a first team, all big 12 performer from last year. He's been elite on the outside so far this year. It was, that was kind of a question for us in the off season. Could he go from first team, all big 12 to the next step, which would be, I don't know, all American so far this year, he's been targeted nine times. He's only given up 28 yards and he has two interceptions. Uh, that's unbelievable numbers for Kobe Bryant so far this year. Now, how much, you know, Texas has multiple receivers. They could go against him. I don't know if he's going to travel the field with Xavier worthy, or if he's just going to stay on one side. I kind of think he's just going to stay on one side. So we'll see, but those would be the players to watch. What What about the flip side for you? Who are the offensive players to watch for Texas?
0: Yeah. Offensive. Uh, you know, I think that they're going to try to get Xavier worthy going, you know, they're going to start off in the quick game and then, you know, try to take their opportunities down the field with him late. You mentioned Jonathan Brooks. He's really came on late and, You know, I think that we've realized as talented as we are in the wide receiver room, we're still really dangerous uh, in 12 personnel. So I think you'll see a lot of power run with Jonathan Brooks, true freshman Cedric Baxter, uh, really trying to get that running game going. And I liked what they did with JT Sanders last week, the tight end. Right. You know, you're so focused on those receivers on the outside you're so focused on stopping the run and then now you got tight ends leaking out and you you know you don't know what to do with them right you don't know if you're going to put a linebacker on them or a safety on them Uh, you know you just don't know what to do (laughs) right and so i think jt sanders uh has a really big game this week so if i'm looking for you know i don't want to say offensive you know wild cards because these are players that you know pretty much show up week in and week out i think xavier worthy jt sanders uh and jonathan brooks have really uh big days uh, for the Texas Longhorns this weekend. But I want to uh, move the conversation uh from the field to the coaching staff, right? I want to talk about Lance Leipold, Uh, You know, did I get his name right?
1: Yep, that's right.
0: Uh, yeah, <laughs> Lance Leipold uh, a little bit in uh, this program because when we talk about Kansas, we're so used to talking about Bill Self and basketball, right? But he has really inserted, you know, Kansas into the football conversation. And when you look at 2021, you go two and 10, but you have the big win over Texas on the road, right? And then last year, you go six and seven. You deal with some injuries and some inconsistency at the quarterback position this year. You know Kansas is four and up. What do you think the ceiling is for this program, and what is the pulse around the fan base about the job Lance Leipold has done? Do you think this team can get to eight wins? Do you think this can be a ten win program? Do you think this could be a you know a college football playoff type program? What do you think the true ceiling for Kansas is under Lance Leipold?
1: Well, I mean, if you're talking about the future like beyond this year moving forward as you're building with texas and oklahoma leaving for the sec i i really do feel like it is wide open for who that school is gonna i i felt like everybody just assumed that when texas and oklahoma announced they were leaving they were like okay who's going to be the school that's going to dominate the conference and i felt like the most popular answer was oklahoma state and now all of a sudden they're having a bad year right to where it's like it's wide open and and maybe you know you'd favor tcu because they're going to be able to recruit the dallas area and i don't know maybe ucf even being able to recruit Florida like they'll be up there who knows I I just feel like it's gonna be wide open so I don't know sky's I guess the limit on what you can do from that standpoint when you're looking at this year's team you know you go back to last year they were a six win team but prior to Jalen Daniels being injured they were five and zero, oh, and you lose by seven points to TCU in a game where you missed a field goal you fumbled at the one yard line and you had kind of of a borderline call on a fourth and ten at their 35-yard line with like two minutes left when you were going in to try to you know score a touchdown, and, and they said after the game they would have gone for two if they would have got the touchdown. Who knows how that would have affected college football last year? But um, you know, if you just said coming into the year, which this is what happened for Kansas, you had a six-win team. That returned ten of eleven starters on offense. That returned seven starters on defense. That brought in a bunch of transfers. Returned every coach. Lance Leipold, coordinators, every position coach. And you put the you, you just put duct tape over the name Kansas and said that's any other school. It wasn't that much different than what Oklahoma was doing, right? And and Oklahoma's being picked as a top twenty five team. That hype wasn't there for Kansas, and I think understandably so because typically you're going to go with you know history and what trends tell us, and, and the trends weren't there for Kansas. So I understand why it happened. But I think from that standpoint, the sky was the limit. And, and I kind of went into the, the offseason going, yeah, I think seven or eight wins, that's that's doable for this team. And um, I, I think after the way they've looked over Illinois and BYU and with how the Big 12 has been kind of wide open, like Texas has been great to start Oklahoma's defense and, and everything has looked great, I haven't seen the schedule. I still think Kansas State's a really good team. But like outside of that, it's kind of wide open. So so why can't you win eight or nine games this year? you know? And, and I think that's the big thing this week for Kansas. You can have a good loss. If Kansas loses this game by 10 points, they lose this game by 7 points, you might come out of the game saying, man, maybe we can win 9 games. Maybe we can even contend to be in the Big 12 championship game uh, and replay Texas if we can get Oklahoma at home in a couple weeks for homecoming and you know, Kansas State ends up being a team you play at home to. So, yeah, I think the sky is kind of the limit, and the Big 12 feels outside of Texas kind of wide open to me.
0: Yeah, and I just want to clarify, when I said, you know, like 10-win program and college football playoff – I was talking about eventually under Lance Lightfoot. Oh, yeah. you know, I don't know anybody in the comments arguing <laughs> me saying Kansas not going to the college football playoff this year, right? You know what I mean? We're just talking about eventually. All right, a quick word from our sponsors. We're going to answer the million-dollar questions, who wins and who covers. All right, Derek, I'm looking at this line from FanDuel, and it's pretty hefty. right? I don't know who came up with it, but obviously the people in Vegas are smarter than me. That's why I had, they have all that money and all those tall buildings, right? That's why Usher has a residency there, right? Because <laughs> so many people are bad at gambling, right? Texas is favored by 16 and a half points over Kansas. We know what happened the last time these two teams faced off in DKR. Who wins this game and who covers?
1: So I'm going to know Texas wins the game. I I, I have questions about how they're going to slow them down. I do think Kansas covers. I I think they can be feisty enough. Uh, If I'm going with official score prediction, I'm going 42 to 28. With Texas in front, that would give you Kansas if it's anything fourteen and a half or higher. Which right now it's sixteen and a half. You're covered there. That would also give me the over because the over sitting at over under sitting in the low sixties gets you to seventy. I like the over on that one. By the way, uh, if you are in Fanduel, they have a fifty percent same game parlay boost with three plus legs if, if you're here in Kansas, so uh, you can play some action on that. You know, if you you want a, a fun touchdown score, I think you can get good odds on uh, Daniel Highshaw or L.J. Arnold if you're looking into that.
0: Okay. We got some gems for you on the bed inside. Uh, you know, I think Texas wins this game. We talked about the defense, you know, I think they uh, can be opportunistic and may make a few plays, but ultimately I just don't think they can hold up uh, against this Texas offense over the course of 60 minutes. And we've talked about, uh, you know, how this Texas defense is just flying right now, you know, and they did a really good job against Jalen Milrow. I think Jalen Daniels is a different level of quarterback right now, but I still think they'll do a really good job of limiting him, right? He'll make some plays, but I don't think they'll let him, you know, dominate in the run game. And I think for the most part, they'll be tough uh, with that pass rush limited him a little bit in the passing game. And we've seen what they're be able to do with their, you know, uh, rushing defense. So it'll be interesting to see who wins that battle, you know, between the offensive line, Devin Neal and the defense, uh, in that front seven, but I think ultimately the Texas defense is just too tough and you know they're playing at too high of a level right now. So uh, you know, I think both teams get over 30. Uh, I think my score prediction, a little bit closer than yours. I got 41, 34, and a thriller, you know, 230 this weekend on Saturday. So I got Texas winning. I got Kansas covering. Now I will say I picked Baylor to cover last week and we <laughs> see how wrong I was about that. So hopefully, you know what I mean, I'm wrong again, right? But I think Kansas covers Texas wins 41 to 34. I think we see a thriller this weekend in Austin between Texas and Kansas. Derek, as we get out of here, for Longhorn fans, if they ever, you know, for any reason, just want to listen uh, to, you know, Kansas content. And I think it's messed up, you know, that Kansas does not have to come to the Moody Center this year in basketball. But we'll talk about <laughs> that a little bit later. Right. Let them know where they can find you, Derek.
1: Yeah, uh, at D Johnson Radio on Twitter, uh, locked on Jayhawks. You can also tune in to me uh, Monday through Friday, 3 to 6 p.m. on KLWN in uh, Lawrence with Rock Truck Sports Talk.
0: And I'm Jonathan Davis, locked on Longhorns, locked on Horns on Twitter, Johnzo Ball. That's the personal Twitter, right? Hook em and peace. Let's have fun on Saturday.